0: you. <laughs> It's good evening. I'll tell you, this has been a last few days of tech problems that are just crazy. And you know when it all began is when I did the Basel Basie interview. The minute I did the Basel Bas interview, the next morning, this whole thing went crazy. I've been talking to Podbean, just so people know, on their tech side, and they're trying to isolate the problem. And I've got all sorts of issues going on over here in YouTube, which is, seems to be like a quagmire changing events using OBS, which is another challenge in itself. So we are going to just proceed with our podcast tonight and no music, which is unusual for us. And I'll just have to leave chat open on YouTube without music tonight. And it's just, <laughs> I feel like each day we're getting farther back in time. Well, let's see. One day we couldn't have music. Next day we can't have voice. Next day we'll be sending smoke signals up just like that. It's like, Scott, where's the podcast? I'll be like, I've got a fire on the mountain. I'm doing podcast smoke signals. Can you hear me? And you'll be like, no, but I can see your smoke signals. I'll be like, okay, good. And we'll do it that way. It's safe. No internet corruption. I'll tell you, what an insane, what an insane thing. Patriots, before we get going tonight... As I talk many times about the psychopathic lunatics that are running the world, as we now walk through this psychopath lunacy, we are going to need to take a step back and get yourself protected from an EMP because if they enjoy destroying the internet, they'll enjoy doing this. So what you want to do, and yeah, we need to call Podbean over. What you want to do is you want to go ahead on over to emp.com EMP, empshield.com empshield.com and you want to get your device there for your house, for your car, your ATV any of the things you have in your house that are electronics and you want to protect them in case of an EMP, a lightning strike or a solar flare it's a great device, America made use your promo code, you get $50 off and free shipping so that's empshield.com empshield.com and there you go that's what you need. You need one of them, two of them, three of them. You you need them for your household. It's it's good insurance, I'll tell you. Man, when you start out a show and have to do with technical problems, it's anything but relaxing. The one thing I absolutely used to love about Podbean, um, and it's hopefully will get fixed here in the near future because. The problem over here, all these technical layers of stuff, which always ends up having some sort of problematic issue. Podbean has always been a very smooth running platform for chat. It's been brilliantly, simply easy and with a very solid quality. And right now, I'm hoping they can find the problem because it's been a real pain. And that started, like I said, just after the Basel Bas interview. But anyway, we're going to step back on that and not worry too much about that. Here's the deal we've got to get our country back to basics and it's got to get back to the ancient paths and we have to start getting back to the principle and how we live. Tonight is yet another example of why we should not be living with the technologies we have. All of the frustrations we get with technologies, the limitations of them, which are many and the amount of hours we waste trying to unhook and figure out stupid things that stupid people made to, to that were over-educated and lost the sense of common sense. They have nothing to do with the world. On Saturday morning at 12 o'clock a.m., actually it's not true, At 1.30 a.m., I got in my Jeep. I had about an hour, 30 minutes of sleep. And I drove north to link up with my friend and buddy, Jared. And as we drove in, it was just, it's a very, it's, it just takes you back in time. I drove up, he has a 600-acre farm, ranch. And I pull in, and this is obviously dark early in the morning. And the horse trailer, or the cattle trailer is hooked up to the truck. And you've got the engines running and coffee's ready. And we cross-load a couple things from my Jeep, and we take off. And it's just has such an old-world it shouldn't be old world, but it is old world sense to it. That we were we were heading out to get cattle. And so we drove, and met the sunrise just outside Pendleton, Oregon. It was gorgeous, and we watched the sun come up as we drove into the sun, and drove up to Anderson. Livestock where we got, we were picking up nine, eight new head of cattle that Terry had for me. This is the world that we should be in. And I'm going to tell you that the problem we have in working so much with the suburbia and technical world, especially for men, is it's taking them away from the principal place of where we should all be. And that's a problem. Because we should all be in that place of working with our hands, sowing our lives into the soil, into the earth, and working with the beasts of the land. And that changes things a lot, obviously. But we didn't make a leap ahead when we separated from that type of lifestyle. We went backwards. And backwards in a very bad way, especially for men. Because men have a purpose in this world to literally steward things, steward the land, steward the animals, raise crops, hunt, fish. And you can't just live that world when everything we're doing is always working with technology that constantly is breaking. And that's or causing us problems. And especially with this migration that we go harder and harder into tech. Tech is literally one of these soulful or soulless events that we're in, that we work with, because it doesn't have at its core production or creation of anything. It has at its core the temporary pasting together of things until someone undoes it or some piece of code doesn't work or some update comes along. There's nothing permanent in that world. Terry Anderson has tens of thousands of acres. I I can't remember the last, what he told me he had. It's It's in several thousand acres he has up in Pendleton. And he's an amazing man. He runs, he gave us some incredible number in the thousands of bulls that he's raised and sold. And every one of these animals that he raises, he's involved in from birth until they leave his ranch. Every one. It's a lifestyle that he's raised up in that he is he's truly a steward and a, and a nurturer of God's creation. And as a steward, he's stewarding these animals until he hands them off. I've been very blessed. I found Terry online last spring, and that's when I went up to visit. I ended up buying a bull. And I wasn't intending to, but Terry said as I left his as I left his ranch, he said, "Scott, you need to think about doing something." He said, "I want you to think about selling all of your cattle and just taking that money and applying it to a new herd that I'll help you build, and you'll get good genetics and you'll jump your genetics by thirty to forty years." Now, I've told you this story because this happened in in August when this whole thing started to get in motion. I'd bought the bull. I had the bull. I still had the cows that I'd bought previously. And we had one of, we've had a number of problems. We had a number of problems with that first herd. We had one cow go lame, which I'll, I have to finish that loop because a lot of people asked how the lame cow is. She's now dead, and I'll tell you that story in a minute. We had a calf go crazy. We had another cow go crazy, literally, like mad cow crazy. We had to put both of those down. We ended up having... Three steers go mad, literally get aggressively mad, and they're dangerous. So when this whole thing came to a head, I was down with Brody, who has been running cattle with me, and I watched a 1,100-pound steer go over a steel fence and just about crush Brody's dad. And I said, that's it. The herd gets sold, and they get sold all to the stockyard. They'll all get turned into hamburger or something. And that's fine. And I called Terry and he just happened to be out on the ranch and answered his phone. He's, I told him what he wanted to do. He said, how soon, how soon do you need them? And I said, I'll need some cows by September. He says, I've got a bunch for you. So we did our first load before Bars Fest and we brought it down. That was what we were supposed to bring in 11 head total. We could only get eight in the trailer. And so Terry pulled off the extra three. And he set him aside. In the meantime, when I was on the trip to Bardsfest, one of the buyers came up and bought all the cows that I had, except for the bull. Naturally, I wanted him. And obviously not the new herd. But there was that one lame cow that you all remember about. And that cow ended up going prolapse. So the uterus was outside. The calf was stillborn, and she was in massive pain. She didn't move. She could hardly walk, even though we worked on her leg, and so we put her down, just so you know, because people have been asking. But that whole herd was a poor genetic base herd, and people don't take enough value in this until you see good animals. And good animals aren't just big. They're well-bred, they have good behaviors, their coats look gorgeous. They feed well. They produce a tremendous amount of weight and size for what they graze on. So on Saturday, we went up to get the next batch. And Terry and I came to an agreement so that I could pick up another eight rather than just pick up the remaining three. So there was a sick total of 16 cows now that I have in the herd. And you remember I had said I was liquidating the whole previous herd, which I did. All these 16 cows now have been preg tested and they'll they will have calves in December. So they'll all drop at the same time, which is a great time in December because then we get through the winter. It's harder to feed them during the winter, but we'll get through a shorter winter and they'll be into spring. And I'm super excited about it. So we have a completely transformed herd. And so we went up and met Terry and uh, had a chance to, they they had 16 calves born that day that we came up. They had, one that was stillborn. It was a twins, and they had a couple difficult births because it was so traumatic for the mothers. And just that uh, they were rejecting the calves initially, but that'll be that's now fixed. Now Pendleton, out in eastern Oregon, if you know, is a really dry place, and where he does his where he has the cattle's birth and the birthing area is dry and it's high up higher up in elevation, and so there's no chance of mud, and it makes it easier for the mama cows when they drop their calves. And he has a big operation. And one of the things that's unusual about Terry that I've come to really respect is he's he's what I call a, a, a rancher Christian. He lives his faith through the walk and the way he lives in his life. It's not just words for him. He's his, his faith, his relationship with Christ, his whole scripture is a living, breathing scripture every single day of working with God's creatures and stewarding them, raising them, caring for them, and ultimately sending them along their way. And this is why it is so important that we get back to the land because so many men have lost this. America was built on this sort of attitude. It was built on the principles of men working with their hands, stewarding the earth, doing the things where we were creating things, raising animals, animal husbandry was, was part of every household almost. And unfortunately, We are at a point right now where many of those those methods are being lost. Terry and I had long talks about this. We're not seeing a broad new generation of ranchers coming up. And part of it's the cost of land. Land has gotten extraordinarily expensive. And we have to start finding that place where people can have a target of land and something they can afford and still raise cattle. There's 80 acres on this piece of property here. And you can raise on 80 acres. By next year, my herd size will be about, it'll be kind of at its max because I'll still have to feed them beyond the acreage. But I'll have next year, by the end of December, my herd size will be 32 plus a bull. So that's 33. And that bull then, I'll breed with with the cows in the spring. So then we will be at, by next year, I'll be at 48 plus the bull. And then I can start preparing some of those steers for Butcher the following fall. And I'm gonna keep a herd size around 40, 32 to 40 on this on this property here. And that's about as far as you can go on 80, but we have to maximize that space because people can't look forward to owning a section of land anymore, at least not easily. Section of land is, going to, is 600 acres. In that range you're not going to be able to afford that and so the model that we're building here is the model to try to maximize height it's kind of regenerative agriculture and maximizing the cattle you have on the head or on per acre all these things I'm sharing because this is part of revitalizing truly the sense of of men and it's at the core of who we're supposed to be Unfortunately, what's happened in so much of this world is everybody wants to become a white-collar-type worker. We want to be doing the things that we don't have to get our hands dirty with. And part of that motive and drive is that that's where the money is. But that's not a motive for what we should be doing. And that's the sad part about the world we're at is because once the opportunity of money comes up and we can taste it, and people want to make more money. We become trapped in the Babylonian system. I've worked physical labor a lot of my life. I've had construction job. I had my construction company. I've done a lot of things in that area. My Department of Defense company was not. It was a consulting company. I would take construction any day over that headache of Department of Defense. And here now it's a balance because I have the podcast, but the bigger project that we're building here is the cattle. And I had been traveling, so five and a half weeks I've been traveling from Barge Fest across the country, came home for a few days and we went up and got the cows. And last night I came back and we finally got the cows in. And as the cows settled in, I finally for the first time took a break. When I say took a break, I sat down and took a breath. And I was sitting on my ATV and I was looking over the property and it just settled into me. Finally got my feet locked on the ground. And the thing is that that moment where I finally took a breath was the moment I really, you could just feel the anchoring of God. And it's a quiet moment. We get so busy in our frenetic worlds. We go, we just go, we go, we go. And as we go, we don't take time to breathe. And what is God's name? It's breath, literally. We don't take time to just breathe him in. And in doing so, we do, we get lost in our own craziness. We get lost in the frenetic insanity of this world. And men get affected probably more than anybody because men are supposed to be those boots on the ground, those hands in the earth, the sowing of seeds. All of that's supposed to be part of who we are. There's a lot of confliction with men these days, especially the younger. We're trying to earn money for the family and at the same time, those pathways aren't the sorts of things that earn a living. And see, the philosophy of of ranching is different and you start to learn it when you're around it. It's been a long time since I've been around it, so it's like a relearning for me and getting back into the heart of what it is to be that sort of person. The priority of, of ranching is the stewardship of the animals. And as that becomes the heart of what's going on, we start to breathe in a different experience. We start to live with God's creatures. We start to touch birth. We're part of life and death in a cycle. And all of those things are together in such a miraculous way that we get connected again to who we really are. And in that breath of who we are, we start to realize that there's an anchoring point, we get back to the root. And that root is the power and strength of us with the gift of creation. Men were given creation in the seed. And that anchor point comes uh, comes through in everything that men do. I had this moment when I sat there the other night and just sitting on the ATV and looking over the property and like I said, just feeling God and everything in my body relaxed. Everything about my life just calmed down for a moment and it became so clear that that's what we're missing. And I was doing it to myself. I mean I'm not I'm not complaining, but going for five and a half weeks, constantly on the go, everything about is a is a war, a fight, a war, a fight, a war, a fight. We're gonna get this done, save this person, do this and we're just going all the time. And it's all in the name of the Lord. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But you know that in five and a half weeks, I can't point to a single moment where I just stopped and paused and put it all aside and stepped out of that cycle and just went, Lord, I'm with you, be with me. And that, that is God. I think we build an image of God being chaotic. I think we build an image of God being busy and running and doing, but we don't find enough time to discover God that is the air we breathe, the rivers, waters that flow. Today, I walked up to the top of the property. There's a space that I like to sit in, and I just sat today. And today I just sat and I let, just let my prayer language go and I just had a conversation with heaven. And it was so natural and so balanced and so part of everything. And as I'm sitting here doing this in prayer and worship with the Lord, I just had to ask myself some hard questions. How did we get so rigid in our belief? How do we believe God was a bunch of squares and lines and not realize that God was dynamic and and infinite? How did we do that? When you sit and you overlook a valley like I was today and you can see for miles and the clouds are rolling in and you see the green coming up because of the rain and you see the mountains off in the distance and you're sitting on the edge of a steep hill and you have greenery all under you and around you and you have the breeze flowing on you and the earth sits on your hands and with every bit of this you sit there and you breathe and and just in prayer sitting there and I'm asking Lord, how did we do this? How did we stick you in a box in everything? How did we come so doctrinal in our churches that if you say this word or that word you're now blasphemous? How did we get to a place where it gets so crazy that if you read a chapter like, for example, 1 Corinthians 14, prophecy, a superior gift, and somehow that gets, someone says prophecy and another person says blasphemy. One person says, I'm going to speak in tongues. Another word said, you're deviating outside of doctrine. How does this happen to us? How does it happen to us when we come together and we celebrate each other in just the glory of being together and we find these amazing connections and immediately everybody on the outside has to look and say, oh, you, you, are you guys now a couple or are, are what's with this? Are you are you guys now pulling things together and you're going to change everything and oh, what am I going to lose? And it's like, what's going on with people? And I'm saying this from firsthand experience because we have witnessed this right here in Bard's Nation in the last four weeks and it's blown me away. And I keep, I've seen people walk away because they've heard speaking of tongues. I've heard people walk away because they say that we shouldn't be having healing. I've had people tell me that they're going to walk away because one tribe, Resistance Nation, and another tribe, Bars Nation, have come together to, to find a friendship and work and walk side by side alongside each other at points and yet still have identity. People are like, no, I can't do this. We're going to lose our identity. What is this? I'm sitting here today looking at this world that God created in its magnificence. I have, I go down and I spend time just sitting with the cows. They're looking at me like I'm an alien half the time. The most beautiful creatures I could imagine. These these cows, I didn't think I would love cows the way I love cows. I do because I'm seeing a beauty in something that took years to breed in. Their coats are magnificent. Their hooves are beautiful. Their stature is great. It's a Simmental Angus mix. It's a beautiful animal. I'm looking at this and I'm saying, Lord, you gave me these to steward. Not, there's not going to be a right and a wrong with these cows. If a cow moves differently, I'm not going to kick him off or her off to another pasture or excommunicate them and send them out to the butcher. And yet that's what we do to one another. How does this happen? How is it that God's creatures become so in tune with the world and we sit on the outside and become so judgmental and hateful? I've listened to people talk today in another chat over things like this whole thing in the Middle East. They can't get it clear in their head that there's a difference between religion and politics and the true faith in Jesus. Open statements like, all the Muslims are going to kill us. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I had no idea. Really? We're going into a global jihad. They're all going to, and it's going to be Christians against Muslims. And I'm like, boy, Satan, you have done a great job today. You have won the day. You have people using Jesus as a tool to kill another religion. Think about what I just said. Because you are not like me, I shall go to war with you. And if you, because you are Islam and you, you're you saying you're going to do something to me, I shall be mightier in Jesus and I shall go strike you down and kill you. That's essentially what we're saying. This is lunacy. And I've seen it happen so much. And it happened. In, it's happened in our own fellowship here. And we can't let it happen. We need mighty men of God. We don't need petty men of arguing politics. We need mighty men of God that can step into these times and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. My breath itself, my very breath is that of God. I'm connected to the land. I raise my own food. I build my own homes. I follow the gifts that God gives me, and I trust in Him for all things. And then be able to look across and go, You of another religion and faith. I don't hate you, but I want to introduce you to Jesus. I want to have a conversation with you and to be bold and fearless. I'm not naive, folks. You know, I'd, I've been too much in war to think that there's a perfect world, but I know the difference between real evil and just flat out ignorance and stupidity. And there's a whole bunch of outright ignorance and stupidity. And it origins itself to a large degree to fear because people are afraid of something. And as we get into fear, we step into fear. It consumes us and it breaks us. People don't like to be told that they're too rigid in their faith. I'll give you a great example. It happens in Portland. That's why Antifa owns Portland. Antifa owns Portland because when Antifa moved to town, the pastors ran away. Not all of them. I know a number that got on the ground and worked their tail off. But so many pastors locked their door and started preaching from a pulpit, from a closed door, dead stone walls, and pulpits that had nothing more to speak than a gospel of defeat. They didn't get outside and take the gospel into the world. They didn't face their enemy. They ran away. And then they look around and they say, look at Portland, look how bad it is. Look how how little there is faith in Portland. My heart breaks. Because they gave up territory and they handed it over. And they did so in the name of Jesus. Jesus never handed over anything. You know, I've walked a lot of paths. And I'm very proud to say I've walked the path of war, literally. And it takes a fearlessness to do it. But when you really step into the power of the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ and you fully walk in the Holy Spirit and you're walking as a man anchored in this earth, you're getting your hands dirty. Women, this is not against you because if we hadn't had women in this fight, I don't know where we'd be because it was the women that led this fight. I just read something from somebody called Preacher PDX. I'm going to read this because I so disagree with this garbage. Our Lord decides who gets seen. We are under judgment. Nothing can be done. Our world is not here. That is why no one can step up. It's because men are giving up. It's because comments like that have deflated the man and ripped the spine out of the very men. If you are not worthy of being here, then ask yourself why God sacrificed his son for you. Because God sacrificed his son because we are worthy, not unworthy. And comments like this and people that preach this garbage from the pulpit truly defeat and destroy men. Men need courage. Men need to get back to putting their hands in the earth and doing things of great power. Men need to start being warriors again and quit being skinny-jean pulpit wimps to stand behind the pulpit and try to preach a gospel of of defeat. Men need to get up and start being the men of God to step into this time and to be mighty in this hour, to step in and to lean into the authority and say, I am a son of God. I am a son of the Most High. I will stand here in this hour, and I will use the authorities given to me, by Jesus. For I have been told that I can heal the sick. I can heal the broken. I can cast out demons. I can raise the dead. I can do greater works than he. That's red-letter language. And I can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those powerful tools, we walk in this world and we conquer demons. We cast out this evil because we are not waiting for some simple hour for Jesus to come because we have become so defeated in this hour that we have nothing to do. This is a time right now to stand in and get mighty. And those pastors and those preachers that preach as garbage, go find a hole and stick yourself in it until you wake up to realize that we truly are mighty children of God and you are doing a disservice to your Lord. We do not preach a gospel of spineless work. Jesus did not die on the cross for us to be wimps and roll over and be cockroaches in the hour. Man, it is Unbelievable. Portland is a cesspool because the pastors gave it up. And the ones that I know that worked hard, they have won over their enemy, but there's not enough of them. And I can take that to every single city in this country that is now a cesspool of tyranny and of defeat. Because this country is, was won by the pulpit and it's being lost by the pulpit. And so that pulpit of power now comes back to us. That pulpit of power is now the true gospel, the true church that sits within our hearts. And it's for us to take that and step into the world and say, Jesus, I am here. Jesus I am following you, Jesus. I am following all that you did. I will walk this path that Jesus did. I will love endlessly. I will heal. I will raise you up from the dead. I will heal your wounds. I will cast out your demons. And when necessary, I will flip tables in the name of the Lord. And we fight until that very hour, until Jesus puts his hand and says, that's enough, my son. And even then, I'll probably still try to fight because that enemy is not going to defeat me. On the 31st of October to the 1st of November, we are setting up a breathing of life and a conquering of darkness in the Portland area. And for those pastors that are afraid and think there's no word and God is going to hide you, don't show up unless you want to get saved and get your demons rocked out of you and you want to go through deliverance and learn what it is to be a powerful man of God, then do show up because we'll bring you to that place. But I can tell you that we are fearless in this hour. And that same thing is going to happen in Dayton. And that same thing is going to happen in in the Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City. And we're going to do three celebrations to take back the night because we do not fear the darkness, we do not fear this evil. We do not fear these demons and I do not take a gospel that says, "I am broken and I cannot do anything because I am under judgment. This is the hour for the children of the Most High, the sons of God to stand, because it is the hour in which the earth is groaning and waiting for the sons of man to stand, sons of God to stand. And so it's a matter of whether we take take that mantle and we step forward as the warriors in the heart and the warriors of Christ or whether we're going to sit back and lurk away in the darkness and shudder and shimmer and cower with defeat. I know who I serve, and it's not a God of weakness, and it's not a God that says to me, stick on the side, Scott, go hide away because I'm mad at you. That's ridiculous. This is a God that says, son, what do you need? I say, father, I want to work with you. I want to go farther, deeper, harder. And he says, then show me everything you have inside of you that you're afraid to show the world. And so I stand transparent and, and totally naked and vulnerable before the Lord. And I say, Lord, here I am. And he says, share it with the world. And so I did. And he says, now. You begin to understand why. Because what I have done is I've taken everything that you were coveting in your heart and I've laid it bare and the enemy can use nothing against you now. Now go forth and fight this enemy. And I say, yes, Lord, I will. Every one of us needs to be there. Every one of us needs to be in that place. Every one of us needs to stand mightily In that place is where we heal the sick. That's another one that just gets me. People try to tell me, well, the church doesn't do healing. Really? How about Ezekiel 34, where God judges his spiritual shepherds? What's the first two things he judges them on? He judges them on the fact that they aren't teaching healing in the church. How do you think pharmakia and the hospital tyranny took hold in this world? They took hold because churches stopped healing. All they had to do was put up a sign and says, "says we can heal you, we got some drugs, we can heal you. And the churches don't heal. There's this ridiculousness within our pulpit across this nation that somehow the miracles of God have gone away. The miracles of God are here all every day. And the beautiful thing is right here in this community, Bard's Nation, we produce those miracles every week, if not every day. Our prayers restore, our prayers raise up, our prayers heal, our prayers do things that doctors can't do. Because we don't say yes to the institutions of men, we say yes to God. We say yes, God. And more than that, we say, God, you've given us the authorities and we declare this before you, God. And if we declare it and God says, sorry, no, then we say, okay, God, but you told us we can declare and we will declare. And we'll declare it every time. And seldom does God say no when he's healing. All things through him. All things through him. And this is a war. And so if it's a war... We have to understand that the enemy has territory That so many of the pulpits have given up territory and it's time now that the mighty men and the women of this, of our God, stand up and say enough is enough. We draw a line and we start taking it back. We have that responsibility. And it happens one person at a time. It happens one case at a time, one step at a time, and you take it back. So, we will take it back. We will not be defeated. We will not listen to the nonsense pulpit of defeat we will speak into the pulpit that speaks from victory because Christ gave us victory on the cross. And for those lost and meandering souls that want to live in the poverty of a gospel that Satan himself has had a hand in to try to teach you that somehow you've lost, repent. Repent yourself. Put yourself before the Lord and repent, and repent hard because you have given up on something God's son himself sacrificed to give you. Sickness is what that is in the heart. It's the demons working in your head, and it's time now to step back and say no more. I know the God I serve. He's a glorious God. He's a merciful, merciful God. He's a loving God. He is a God of miracles. He's a God of incredible power. He's a God that demands only one thing from us, to love him infinitely and to love him only and to walk in a place of faith where you don't quiver at an enemy that's already defeated, but instead fight fearlessly to expand the kingdom every day, to confront that enemy that tries to be noisy and put fear in your heart and rebuke him and stand away and keep walking. To use the spiritual weapons of war to tear down fortresses. To cut the strings and the ties that bind and to free people into this world. To free yourself, to keep yourself free and set others free and to truly bring these people back home. Our mission is grand, it's perfect, it's beautiful, it's intense, it's living, it's breathing. And it's a faith that's active in our heart. It's the pulsing blood within your body. It's the living gospel in every breath that you take. It's every step you take, you're taking and reclaiming back for kingdom. You're on mission every time you step out of your home, everywhere you go. And fearlessly, we are taking back this world. And until that day comes that Jesus arrives, we continue to fight relentlessly, fearlessly, and completely destroy the enemy when we encounter him. Casting him out to the feet of Jesus to be judged and we continue to march. And how do we unite all of this? Through the glorious power of love that the gospel gives us, the glories of Jesus and all that was sacrificed for us flows through us. The Holy Spirit lighting us up like beacons on the hill and we truly stand here before others and they don't just see us, they see our heart and they say, I want some of that. And we say, amen. So put on the full armor of God, buckle up, every day is another great victory for the kingdom because we're here, we're fighting, and we will crush this evil relentlessly. And the naysayers, ignore them. Sadly, if they don't come around, they too will be judged. But we have victory underneath our feet. And we fight from that position of victory to bring a greater victory into this world. Let's pray. Father, tonight we come to you as humble warriors. And we just pray tonight for those weakened hearts that have been consumed by the gospel of defeat. That have somehow been corrupted by the words of Lucifer himself, that somehow we're incapable, we're defeated, we're being judged, we should do nothing. Father, we just ask that those spell castings will be broken and we rebuke them ourselves. And in the name of Jesus, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to touch their lives, to lift them up, to shake their hearts, to crack open that solidness that's within them that has told a lie and where their hearts cannot feel the power and glory of Christ himself. Let the power of the Holy Spirit light them up and feel the glory of heaven around all of their lives and everything they touch and let them witness the power of the Holy Spirit flow through the others that are breathing in and saying, Lord, yes, send me. And let that flow among everybody that reaches for you, Father. Let the glory and the power of the Holy Spirit electrify everything we do to raise up into heaven and say, yes, Lord, I am here. Yes, Lord, I will walk in the yes. Yes, Lord. Amen, Lord. and let that light crack the darkness. Let that glory crack the darkness, and let the gloom of those that have given up on the gospel and tried to use the gospel as a crutch because they themselves have a broken heart or a weakened footing. Let the power, the true power of the Holy Spirit and that gospel of victory touch them, rock them, raise them, awaken them to join the army of victory in which we walk. Thank you, Father, in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I can't think of anything more exciting, more intense, more electrifying than truly walking and being with the Holy Spirit. And this is that hour and this is that time. And this whole thing started with a few cows. Imagine 16 cows, all pregnant, all going to produce little calves, all from one bull. And all a reminder of ourselves, of the root of the seed and of connecting back to the land, to give us the strength and the mightiness of the Holy Spirit spirit in which we are to live by, to breathe in, to walk with, and to keep the righteous fire lit as we confront and face evil and seek victory in this world. Have a blessed night. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you and out for now.
1: makes you